Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, we'll be continuing with Tom Cantor on the personal relevance of the Passover from Isaiah 53. Let's listen in with Tom. He did no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. He's a qualified lamb. He's like the Passover lamb. He was qualified. He did no violence. There wasn't any deceit in his mouth. He was, he was without blemish. Oh, now, you got to listen to what I'm saying. Isaiah says, I'm just going to report. I'm the reporter, and I'm just going to tell you what I see. It is pleasing the Lord to bruise him. God, it's pleasing God to bruise him. Wait a second. You just told me that he was the perfect person, that he was without blemish, that there was nobody like him. Yes, but that made him qualified. And then, it's, and then God, it pleases him. Therefore, because he's the qualified lamb, it's pleasing God to bruise him. God is the one putting him to grief. What does this mean, Isaiah? I see it now. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, God has just opened a door. He's just opened a door of opportunity. The door of opportunity has been opened. And that door of opportunity is that now you have a chance, an opportunity to make his soul your offering for sin. In Hebrew, im tasim Hashem nefsho. If, im, tasim, you put Hashem, your guilt, nefsho, on his soul. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. This has all been done by God. This has all been done. He sent him. He was the Lamb of God. He was without blemish. God, it pleased God to bruise him. He put him to grief also that he could open up this door. It's like the door of Noah's Ark. And now he could open up and God said, come, come, come. The door's been opened now. He died for your sin. You can make his soul your offering. He said, you can make his soul your offering for sin. He makes the opportunity. He's not going to push anybody in. You have to make the choice yourself. Then what's going to happen, Isaiah? If you do that, you become a child of God. He shall see his seed. Really? Yeah. If you do that, he shall prolong his days. He'll give you eternal life, life without end. Yes. Really? Yes. And if you do that, the pleasure of the Lord is going to prosper in your hand. Oh. He'll adopt you. He'll give you everlasting life. He'll use you if you make his soul an offering for sin. God did a great work. God, the Father, the Father of the house, killed the Lamb so that the children of the house, all of man, could be spared from the avenging angel, could make his soul an offering for sin. Then God can redeem. Sinners get cleansed, become children of God, live forever, and become used by God. What happened? Verse 11. God says... He saw the travail of his soul, and he was satisfied. He saw it all. He saw the suffering. And he said, Dayenu, it's enough. I'm satisfied. The sacrifice was made. No other sacrifice is needed. A sacrifice once and forever has been done. It's enough once and for all. He died once for all. He will now bring many sons to glory. He will save many, many people from around the earth. He will bring many, many people from the east, from the west, and from the children of Israel, from the Jews, because I'm satisfied with the offering. It's enough. 
What else, Isaiah? I hear God saying, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant Isaiah, did you say righteous servant? Yes, righteous servant. Isaiah, could that be Israel? No, the beginning of my verse, the beginning of my book says, Israel is a sinful nation laden with iniquity. They are not a righteous servant. I have, God has only one righteous servant. It was his son, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. He's the righteous servant. He had knowledge, and it says, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Justify many. Oh, what's that mean? Justify many. Justice. We sinned. Penalty is due. You go to the Old English Dictionary in Scotland. It says the murderer was immediately justified. What's that mean? He was killed. The balance was set. This righteous servant justifies many. He was killed. Not for his own sins, but for the many. He justifies many. How'd that work? By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Isaiah, tell me again, how did it work? The end of verse 11. He shall bear their iniquities. Very simple. He shall bear their iniquities. That's what I'm reporting to you today. He bore their iniquities. Oh, Isaiah. Let me sum it up for you. Isaiah says in verse 12, he's now in heaven. He's been rewarded. God says, I'm going to separate him from the great. God says he will divide the spoil with the strong. He's going to be the judge of all men. All men. And let me tell you the reasons why. Because God said, because, verse 12, he poured out his soul unto death. The Lord Jesus Christ said, No man takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to bring it up. He said, I could call legions of angels to deliver me right now. I could say, This is done. I'm finished. Game over. He didn't. When he walked up the Via Dolorosa, when he walked up the path to the cross in Jerusalem, suffering, bleeding, too weak to carry his own cross, women were crying behind him in pity for him. He turned around to them, and he didn't say, thank you. He didn't say, I appreciate your compassion. He didn't say, I appreciate your, your pity. He turned around to them, and he said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves. Others were on his heart as he was going through the crucifixion. When he went to the cross, they didn't have to force his hands down on the cross. He willingly gave them. He hath poured out his soul unto death, and God rewarded him for that. Next it says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He was not a transgressor, but he was numbered with the transgressors. He came to save the transgressors. And then it says, he bore the sin of many. That's how he did it. That's how he saved. He bore the sin of many. And last, why did he do it? He made intercession for the transgressors so that he could look forward to the day 
when he would take a sinner who he saved, whose iniquities he bore, whose sin he cleansed in his own blood, and he could bring him up before the Father. And he could say, Father, I would like to introduce to you this person. I died for him. I bore his iniquity. He applied my blood to his heart. He trusted in me. Father, please receive him. And the Father with joy, with joy, says, that's why I did it. That's why I did it. To save sinners. And the Father loves the Son because the Son did the will of the Father in Isaiah 53. You know, when we have these prophecies in, in the Bible, they're spoken of as holy men of old spoke as they were moved. And God showed them things. They really didn't understand what manner or what manner of time this was going to, but they saw it. They were eyewitnesses because God enabled them to. And Isaiah was an eyewitness in Isaiah 53. And he, he, he took and he reported to us what he found and what he saw. And God had this written down in the Bible. The scriptures written by Jews. And he did that for one reason. He doesn't want you to be lost. He didn't do it to make a point in history. He did it to save your soul. He wants you to be part of the who that he started off that chapter with. Who's believed our report? Will you come to him? Will you believe God? Will you receive the lamb of God? We receive God's lamb. Will you become a child of God? Will you do it today? Will you do it now? Please. Bow with me in your heart and take the Lamb who died for your sins. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I'm one of those sheep. I went astray. I turned to my way. I'm a sinner. I'm hellbound. I hate it. But, oh God, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you sent your Son to be the Lamb of God. I thank you, Father, that it pleased you to bruise him. You put him to grief. You sacrificed your Son. I thank you, Father, that now you invite me to make his soul my offering for sin. I thank you, Father. I want to be a child of God. I want to have eternal life. I want to be forgiven. I want him to bear my iniquities. I want you to use me. Lord, I receive the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, as my Lamb of God, who died for my sins. Count me in, Lord. Sign me up. I receive him now as my personal Lamb of God who died for me. I understand 
he rose from the dead. I understand that you're satisfied. I'll live for him who died for me. I open my heart to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing cost that the cross brought. And whenever I think of the cross, I think of the cost of it all. Tom, can you elaborate for our listeners on the subject of the cost of the cross? Yes, the cost of the cross. The cross was not cheap. The cross was very costly. It was, first of all, costly for the one who made it all possible, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There's a passage in Lamentations where the prophet Jeremiah wrote, really expressing the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ and the cost of it all. And he said these words, See if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. What he's saying here is he's saying that I have such an intense sorrow that this sorrow is like no other sorrow that anybody else has ever felt before. And it's coming because of what the Lord has done to me, because of how I've been afflicted by God. We've already seen in our past studies how it was God the Father that put his son to death on the cross because together they were making atonement for man so that man could become friends with God. But this this atonement cost the Lord Jesus Christ so much. It says that he experienced a sorrow like unto no one else's sorrow had ever suffered before. Some of the sorrow that he went through is elaborated for us by David, king of Israel, who wrote of him in Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, verse 6, he's speaking about the cost that he paid for the cross to be possible. And he said in Psalm 22, verse 6, I am a worm. That was the Lord Jesus Christ speaking from the cross. And he said that he was a worm, like a worm. And the worm that he was speaking about was the was the worm that was in the Middle East that was used in order to dye fabrics red. Because when you crushed this worm, this worm gave out an intense red color that was used to dye fabrics red. In the tabernacle, when they made the tabernacle, they used these worms and they crushed them so that they could take ram skins and dye them red. And that spoke of the devotion, because the ram always speaks of the devotion, it spoke of the devotion of the Lord Jesus Christ and the red of the death of what it cost him in this devotion. So when he said, I am a worm, he was referring to that red worm that was crushed in order that his life, his very life might be used in order to dye fabrics red. He said, I am a worm and no man. He said he was from the cross. He was reduced to not even a man. He said he was a reproach of men. They taunted him. They mocked him. And he says, and he was despised of the people. They looked down on him. 
He said, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. Proud, haughty laughter. They threw into his face. And it says, they, he says, they shoot out the lip. They shake their heads saying, he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. You can feel the hatred of it all as they taunt him, as they say these words of accusations to him. Oh, he said he was trusting that God would deliver him. Let God deliver him. He said that God delighted in him. And this just these words just flew from their mouth into his teeth and into, his, into himself like barbs. They sunk deep, 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 down with a strong stinging hurt. And he felt every minute of it. Later on in Psalm 22 and verse 12, he spoke about, he said, many bulls compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. He said, my enemies were like bulls and they just surrounded me and engulfed me to swallow me up. And he says, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion, the loud, the cacophony of all the voices, taunting him, mocking him, jeering him, spitting upon him, despising him. He saw it all. He felt it all. It was the cost. It was part of the cost of the cross. Then he said in verse 14, he said, I am poured out like water. He could see himself like in a vessel of water and he could see himself if that vessel was slowly tilted and as the water ran out of that vessel, he said, that's me. I see myself being poured out like water, like an offering to God, a drink offering. And then he said, All my bones are out of joint. How could his bones be out of joint? Because he was nailed to the cross when it was lying down on the ground. And then as the Romans took that cross up and set it over its socket, it was part of the torture of it all as they together let go of the cross and those big heavy beams fell down into the bottom of the socket and when they did with such a thug that it said that it dislocated the bones of the victim who was nailed to the cross. And so he could say, all my bones are out of joint, the cost of the cross. He said, my heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. He could feel his heart melted. He actually died of dehydration. That's why the next verse says, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, like a broken piece of pottery from the cross, looking down on the cross on the ground, probably seeing a broken piece of a pot dried clay, and he said, that's my strength. My strength is like that broken piece of clay that I'm looking at right now. He said, I'm all dried up like that. And then he said, my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, the cost of dehydration, death by dehydration. His tongue stuck to his jaws. He couldn't move his tongue. He couldn't speak. 
He wouldn't take the vinegar and the myrrh, the vinegar and the narcotic that was given to him in the beginning, even though it was advised him to not go through this without being anesthetized. But he said, no, I've come here to make an atonement for the souls of men to do a full work. And in my full consciousness, feeling everything, I will do it. But yet at the end, at the end, when he had to give his victory cry, it's finished. Asa, he needed to be able to have his tongue loosed from his jaws, so he took a little bit of vinegar, but only enough just to moisten his tongue so he could, he could cry out the victory. But he said, my tongue cleaves to my jaw, the cost of it all. And then he said, thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Here he is speaking to his father, and he said, Father, you've brought me into the dust of death. I can smell the death. It's a dry death. It's a dusty death. It's like the deterioration and the, of flesh and bones as it becomes dust and blows. And he said, Father, you've brought me into this dust this dust of death, the cost of the cross. He says, dogs have compassed me. They've surrounded me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. He said, they pierced my hands and my feet. He said, they, 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 they drove nails through my hands and my feet. They're pierced, the cost of it all. And he said, I can feel, I may tell all my bones. He said, he can, I can feel every single bone within me, the cost of the cross. And he said, they look and stare upon me. He not only felt his bones, he felt the looks of everybody looking at him. He felt the stares of everybody who stared upon him. And then he watched from the cross, as it says in verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. He watched from the cross as his last possessions on earth, his clothing, was gambled away. As the soldiers said among themselves, he won't have need of these. As everybody watched and said among themselves, he's going to be gone forever. Why should these clothes go to waste in a grave? And he watched as his clothes were gambled away, his last possessions on earth. And it says there that they cast lots upon my vesture. We learn in the Gospels that his vesture was one woven piece, very valuable, and the soldiers had decided it was a waste to tear it, that they would gamble and winner take all. And that's what happened. He watched all of this. What is it? The cost of it all. Why? Why did he do this? Because it says in Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8, speaking of himself, he said, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it's written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy laws within my heart. He knew it was the Father's will 
to save sinful man from hell. It was God the Father's will that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that everyone should be saved, all should be saved. That was the Father's will. He knew that. He loved the Father. And so therefore he could say, I delight to do thy will. He knew the whole book in the Bible speaks of him. Every part of it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the father turned to him and said, will you go? Will you pay this cost? He said, lo, I come. I will come because I delight to do the will of God. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the cost that he paid. Also that we would not pay the price, but simply receive him as our Lamb of God. Thank you for joining us today. When we continue next week, Tom will give us more Bible truths that will help strengthen our friendship with God. You can learn more about Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries by visiting our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. There you'll find more resources to help you with your friendship with God. You can also find Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook and receive a daily devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also contact Tom Cantor by sending an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us at 1-800-247-3051. Join us again next week at this same time.